Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. I'm Dr. Ray, and you're watching the Five Before Five show. Having these conversations points out to you in good ways and bad ways that you might be coping. That's right. You know what That's I mean? Right. Because you're not outside of yourself to look mm. and be the judge of whether or not you're handling it well. I think that if each one of us look into ourselves and really ask that question. I, that will alleviate some of the hostility and animosity between family members who are Muslims and non-Muslims at the time of death and burial. We have to think outside of the box in serving the Muslim community. Well, today, alhamdulillah, we're in Bensonhurst Park and we're sitting with Sister Ayat Demis. She is a drug and alcohol counselor and I'm talking to her today specifically about how people who are struggling with uh, a drug addiction, drug use and abuse, um, how that especially affects the families of these individuals. And so thank you so much, Sister, for, for coming on. Alhamdulillah, oh, it's such a pleasure to have you thank here. You. Um, so if you can, uh, can you talk about what some of your everyday experiences are like uh, as uh, an alcohol and drug counselor? Oh, bismillah. So um, everyday difference, it, like it's like a different day. Um, some days we have, you know, great days where I feel like, you know, we're making a difference. And then there's days where, you know, you fall back and it's just like, you know, it, it all depends on the individuals and their work and, you know, what they're willing to put into the treatment that they want. Um, you know, it's exhausting and it's rewarding and it comes with its own benefits yeah. as in like, you know, dealing with individuals who have substance use issues, um, we're, we're, it's all about them. Yeah. You know, it's all about them, completely about them. And, um, it gets frustrating at times because sometimes they're ambivalent to their own, you know, lives. Uh, yeah. Their ambivalence yeah. is, is what holds them back and being apprehensive about treatment and because one day they can be motivated and then the next day they're like, I don't have a problem, it's okay. I can, I, let me let me be at home. Let me just stay the way that I am, you know. I'm already stuck. Yeah. There's no way really yeah. out of it, but there is a way out of it. How do you help someone in that situation, right? Like they, they come in, they're very ambivalent or they're in denial about their abuse problem. You know, what are you doing and saying mm -hmm. to try to wake them up? Well, if they come into treatment, right? And the, you know, we, we're dealing with the five stages of change and the person is, you know, some people are in denial, some people are ambivalent, some people are ready and ready, yeah. like, you know, ready to go. Uh, Again, depends on the individual. Uh, if a person is, you know, very not like they're not yeah. cooperating yeah. with anything or they just, you know, they're there because they're just there. I could talk to them and let them know, hey, these are your options. Yeah. This is the way your life will turn out. Um, if you decide to get the help that you want, these are the services that are provided to you that I can help facilitate for you. You just have to show up, yeah. you know, and showing up is a big part of it right you show up you do the part you're giving the responsibility back to them absolutely right absolutely. like you have to take responsibility for your recovery right. i want to kind of deviate mm -hmm. using that point mm -hmm. part of us coming here today is to talk about you know how to encourage family members to take care of themselves right and so if you can this point about giving the responsibility back to the person 
how important is that for family members to do despite how hard it might be emotionally right. i want to save you i love you i care about you and so for for a therapist to say to me you have to give it back to them it's like but what if something happened right, right? and so can you talk about what that's like well, at some point, you need to learn when to let go. Yeah. And I'm not saying let go of the of the person, yes. but I let go of that responsibility to say that this is that this is on you. If I don't help this individual, if I don't help this brother, this father, this cousin, this mother, this sister, yeah. if I cannot help them, then if and if something God forbid was to happen, then it would partially be my as a failure on my part. Yeah. yeah. And that's absolutely wrong. And even though it's easier said than done to let go. Mm -hmm which, you know, we all have to deal with in life. Um, it's more like there are, there are things that you can do, which is like you, you give them, I wouldn't say an ultimatum because that's not something that you should always go for. And yeah. like say from the beginning, Oh, if you don't do, if you don't get clean, you're going to be kicked out the house. If you don't do this, you're going to get killed. No. But at the same time, you need to learn when to walk away because it's affecting you. And everyone channels their own emotions differently. There are people who channel it in anger and in resentment. Yeah. There's some people who are, you know, they will be supportive and, and be accepting of it as soon as like they realize that there is a problem, which you very, you don't really find those in the beginning, you know, like finding the accepting family members. Yeah. Um, a majority of the time they're in denial because of that and so they ignore the problem until it gets worse and worse and worse and then then finally they when their backs are against the wall right. they make the decision that might have been better to make a lot earlier because let's say making that decision now it was the right decision then it might not be the right decision now is that is that sometimes the case yes absolutely absolutely or they don't know where to go yeah they don't know who to turn to who do i talk to nobody or nobody my friend's son doesn't know does, doesn't doesn't experience this why am i the one yeah. getting angry at god yeah you know that's a huge part what did i do to deserve this yeah. you know and, and i get a lot of cases where i have mothers come and talk to me and they they tell me come talk to my son he he, he does this please yes. please please yeah. he's been doing this for years and her son is in his late 20s early yeah. 30s or even you know older than that and it's just yeah. like i cannot talk to your son to change his mind it, it that's not how it kind of works like i have to explain to them and like they they and i feel like with our generation we have to educate our elders you know being that they don't understand what we're coming from the environment that we're in and the the how easily accessible everything is yep. you know that's the biggest that's the big my my big point to take away from this is learning your people places and things educating everyone and and learning how to deal with triggers and you as a family member you should be supportive always yep. no matter how much you don't want to this person to be a part of your life, you know, because of something that they've done or because of this addiction that they have. Because it's not something easy to accept, but yeah. it's something you do have to accept. So that way you take the next steps forward to helping them. And so, you know, when you talk about education, right, that reminds me of the idea that, you know, as therapists, right, um, we have to do a better job going into the communities. Right that we're a part of, you know, we can't just, you can only see who you can see, right? If you work 10 hours a week, you can only see eight or nine people, right? But if you go to the masjid and talk to the people at the masjid, the board, the imam, the community, everyone, you're now you're talking to hundreds of people. 
and you, you can educate them instead of one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, and then the people become more informed. Because the other point that you made about, you know, how easily accessible drugs are. Um, I try to tell a lot of foreign-born Muslim parents. Um, you know, in your country, when you were growing up, you had the community that was policing you better. You had your friends that were policing you better. Um, and you also didn't have access to haram the way that we do. So when your parents say that's haram, stay away from it. It's easier for you to accomplish, you know, in 1970, right? In Beirut, than it is here in Brooklyn in 2018, you say to your child, you know, stay away from drugs. And then they walk out the door, it's right in front of them, you know? So you gotta give them more tools than that socially tools for peer pressure and social pressure and emotional tools that they don't prevention planning yeah what, you know? who, and who knows that right forget a muslim parent but even the, the non-muslims who drinking and all of that stuff is part of their everyday lives you know what i mean and it all starts out with curiosity it starts out with curiosity it starts off from when they're young mm -hmm. it starts off at, you know as teenagers you know your friends mold you Mm -hmm. Your your parents are one thing, but you're and you know, but, but you're spending majority of the, your days in school. Yes. And you know, you fall into the wrong hands of people yeah. or whatever, and then that's what happens. You know, this person starts smoking weed, and then weed becomes this, and then that. Everything escalates. Yeah. You know, and statistically speaking, eighteen year olds are 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 now the set age for when addiction starts here in America, wow. and it's sad. Wow. It's really really sad. You're a full blown addict by the time yeah. you're 24 like that's like it's like it's like your life is already set up for you to fail when are you going to take it back let's not make you let's not make these children part of you know the statistics so let's let's help them from when they're young and you know again raising awareness like i have a very big thing in the muslim community where it's like why do we have to wait for an overdose to happen and then we talk about it for two days and then and no we talk about it for two days and then uh, we're like we need to do this we need to do that we a week passes by and everyone forgets about this person and yeah. everyone forgets about the plan that we've made and then nobody is like okay so I have a problem where, where do I go who do I talk to about this you know and it's like one of the great things is that I know that the Muslim Youth Center is a great uh, example yes. they started doing yeah and, and they they started doing these groups um, NA groups at night and they're very welcoming and it's like subhanAllah like the community is coming together and but we just need to be a little bit more proactive yeah not just in this community, in all of our Muslim communities. This is more of an Arab-focused um, community, yes. but there are a bunch of Daisy communities, a bunch of you know African American communities, a bunch of Hispanic communities yes. that need that work too. Like so, all of, all of us. All of us are struggling. Though we might be from different cultures, we all fundamentally. I was talking to a brother actually at the at the Math Mass Youth Center last night, and he's Turkish. And I had said to him, listen, you know, we should talk. I don't know much about what's going on in the Turkish community. And, you know, I said, we should do an episode together. And, you know, if there's issues of need, we should talk about them right. so that everyone's represented on the show. Right. And, and the first thing he said to me was addiction. Yeah. He said, addiction is the issue that we're facing in the Turkish community, according to his experience. And what's funny is that was last night, the night before 
I was in another masjid in central Jersey talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about addiction. And he said, yes, I have a Turkish friend and I think he lost his son to addiction. He didn't say, but you know, and so it's all of us, you know, whether we, whether we know it or not, whether we're communicating with each other across our groups or not, it's real, you know, and it's such a serious issue. And can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we, how addiction and drug abuse affects the family emotionally? It affects the family emotionally. Wow. So it definitely does affect the family. I feel like different families handle it differently. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is like um, one family will be able to learn how to cope with it and will want to learn how to um, address the situation. Yeah. So a majority of the families, though, are in denial of a problem. And they, they put that to the side and they cover up for that yeah. so they're like so why doesn't so-and-so come to the family barbecue why didn't he come to the wedding or why didn't she show up for this yeah. like is everything okay i haven't seen her i haven't seen him um like, yeah they're just at home they're just hanging out you know they're doing their own thing they'll lie the uh, and little do they know that this family member is going through hell yeah. could be in the streets at that very absolutely moment. absolutely yeah and um you know, there's some people who channel it, and like I said, they, they channel it into anger and resentment. So they would want to completely cut out the person, and they would give them the ultimatum: is if you don't do this, then you know this is the consequence for it, and I'm not gonna talk to you. Or you know, you have the ones who are start to emotionally take that in, and depression becomes a very big problem. Yeah. Um, anxiety. Yeah. You know, you start to have that paranoia of like every single time they leave the house, are they coming back alive? Yeah. It only takes one bag bag of dope to, to ruin yeah. you. Every time you like, we had we're in an opioid epidemic, so it's just like you're you think about it every time that somebody does, you know, a bag of heroin or whatever it is that they their drug of choice. You're kind of playing Russian roulette with your life. Yep, that's so, exactly. So you don't know it. Yeah, in your mind, in your mind, in that moment. Absolutely. And and can you talk about the powerlessness that you might feel? That I'm I'm just imagining yeah. in the same situation. Now I feel so powerless to to stop this person and powerless over what ha if they're playing Russian roulette that's like me watching from a 40 story window down there they've got the gun in their hand yeah you know and that's um, the probably the worst feeling of life yeah is seeing your loved one slowly hitting rock bottom yeah and you feel like you can't do anything yeah and feeling helpless and ho like because when you start feeling helpless you're running out of options yourself yep. and it takes its toll on you. Yep. You know, again, the learning how to, you need to learn how to deal with them, putting self care. Cause that's where self care is like, you're, you're so used to putting everybody before you. And then now you have this individual in your life that they literally are uh, absorbing your every ounce of energy. A hundred percent of the time, you forget, yourself. you forget yourself, you forget to eat, you forget to, you know, do like regular things like taking a shower and it's just, it's, it's hard, but, and it's an, like an adjustment that nobody would like to make in their life because it's it's not something that nobody thinks about. What, how do families respond then when you talk to them about self-care? When, you, when you're reminding them, don't forget to take care of you. Do they receive it well? Do they say, no, this is so important? What A lot of times, uh, people get very emotional yeah. when you start telling them, okay, so what are you doing to take care of yourself? Yeah. 
you can't help but cry because how am I going to sit here and take they start feeling this is a selfish thing now how is a like I'll give you an example how is a mother supposed to feel like I'm going to go and like get my nails done they think and and self-care to some people is like getting your nails getting your hair done or going for like doing stuff like that going to having a spa day it's like it's not about that it's about making sure that your mental health is at a stable place where you feel like you can function well in your life you know and it's it can be something as simple as you know going out for a walk Mm -hmm. you know going out for a cup of coffee or talking to a friend or going out for dinner sometimes like you need to remember that you are a human as well and you do deserve to yeah. you know live a happy life i'm not saying at that moment that you should you know completely block out everything bad that's happening and, and focus on yourself but trying to find a, a, a place for yourself in you know that whole busy time where you're constantly thinking about this individual you need an emotional break you do need emotional break and it's hard to give yourself that how yeah. could you give yourself that yeah. you know this is so urgent absolutely so another way of self-care is joining support groups mm. okay um al-anon and alateen yeah. are two social groups that help people that are you know specifically for family members or loved ones who have um you know a family, a family member in recovery yeah. or who is addicted so it's a place where you can go um they're specifically focused for family members of or loved ones of people who are addicts or yeah. um in recovery where they can go and share their stories and, and see that they're they're not alone yeah. because you're not alone there are many people out in the world that are dealing with the same thing as you and who can help you and you know give you that support that you need that others might not give you your friend might not be able to give it to you your sister might not be able to give it to you like you know it, they don't know how because they don't know how you know, that's an important point i just wanted to stop you I'm, i don't mean to interrupt but sometimes we make the wrong conclusions about our family not being able to help us um, that's true families sometimes they don't know how to help us and for instance like you don't know how to talk to them about what's going on because they're not getting it they're not receptive to what's going on or again we'll go back to the how this person is dealing with this situation I cannot go to an angry father who has resentment and is in denial about his child having a problem, uh, you know, and tell him, okay, well, you know, this is the way that we're going to deal with it when he's just not having it. He, He has to learn how to accept it first for him to, you know come and and, and and show up to these support groups or talk, even end up talking to somebody. First step is acceptance. Even for the people who are family, we say the first step is acceptance for the people in recovery, but actually for everyone, for, for everyone, right. acceptance is the first step to anything. Because yeah. as long as you acknowledge that there is something that needs to be addressed, yeah. how else are you going to take the steps forward? Right. Right. It's like sitting in your house and it's burning down and you won't admit that it's on fire. Yes. Right. The house is going to burn down whether you admit it or not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, this leads me to another point that you had mentioned earlier. Right. You had said that some families are in denial. Right. Um, but though they are in denial, I just want to make the point that it doesn't mean you're not suffering. You're just in denial while you're suffering. Absolutely. Right. You're just suffering in silence, which isn't any easier. You know, so one topic that I want you, inshallah, to touch on uh, that maybe goes in two different directions is the idea of bringing Islam into recovery. And so can you talk about how faith helps both the person in recovery and the people 
who are family members affected by it, you know, because I imagine their faith sometimes gets shaken too just as much as the person who's struggling with the addiction. Dealing with the person in recovery and how faith plays a big part of that, a lot of times they feel guilt. Yeah. How am I supposed to pray to a God who I was using, I, how am I, how am I just, I just did a bag of dope right now. How am I supposed to make my, how am I supposed to make, pray to the Lord? Yeah. I'm ashamed. Yeah. The things that I've done, like as in like, did I have to rob, steal, cheat and do whatever. Did I have to do something sexual? Yes, that as well. Dealing with that shame and that guilt and remembering that God is all forgiving. Yeah. And you have to, again, it goes back to the acceptance and you have to realize that God is there for you before anybody else is. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you feel that, you know, spirituality is something that you need, it will definitely help in a sense where you find that higher spirit that you yeah. that you get that strength from, that you yeah. seek that strength yeah. from, that you, you know, ask for guidance. Yeah. You ask for that strength. You ask for the patience to deal with all of that. And, you know, they have that serenity prayer. You know, I can yes. there, you can do a Muslim serenity prayer, which we do have. Yes, exactly. And, and there are Islamic recovery groups. Yes. I know that in, in, uh, in New Jersey, we have two actually. Uh, that, that I'm involved in to some degree, alhamdulillah, and they're very successful. You know, we have a lot of Muslims who are meeting with each other on a regular basis. We, I think that we also need the family support groups too. Right. Uh, hopefully the Muslims will be <laughs> comfortable being vulnerable with each other. You know what I mean? The people who are using, they already are supporting each other, but the family members who are living in secret, right. you know, if they can just kind of put that shame down for a minute and then come together. Because it's not about them. I always say that it's not about you. Yeah, it's not your shame that this other person is struggling with this issue. It's not your shame, yeah. no. It's not your shame at all. And um, learning, again, how to go about that, you have to find that within yourself to seek that support because it's there. You just need to show up and, and, and you know, how put yourself out there yeah. because being vulnerable is a very scary thing because you don't know you're not who's gonna be like who's gonna be receptive to what am I gonna be shut down am I gonna feel more comfortable to share a little bit more um, you know which majority of the time you don't really feel shut down because when you go there and you see people that are going through the same thing as you you learn that it's okay. Like, I'll, I'm fine, like, you know, opening up now. And, you know, it gets easier with time. Yeah. It does get easier. And as far as faith goes, yeah, a lot of times people lose faith. And a lot of times people actually, you know, their faith gets stronger, believe it or not. I've seen it firsthand. Um, a mother's prayer, a sister's prayer, a brother's prayer, a father's prayer. And that they keep, they are insistent that God will get them through this. Yeah whether the outcome is what they expected or what they don't, they're content with the Allah's decree. Which is hard to get to. That is very hard. How do you find that people are, the people who do get there, how do they get there? They, these people, I, honestly, I don't even know. <laughs> it must happen, it must be something within them yeah. or something that they've kind of had since they were younger, the develop exactly. Right? It's something that's already there for them. Yeah. They know how to handle the situation. But then there are people who, who suffer, who don't know, who ask why, who start to lose faith, who literally would, are, are borderline leaving Islam because God's not answering their prayers. Yeah. You know, and yes, praying to God is good, but realizing that treatment 
is there and knowing that, you know, with prayer and with treatment, things will get better. Allah created treatment. Allah created treatment. Allah created everything, yes. you know? And we as Muslims, as the most important thing, you know, when we say has to be Allah and Amal Wakil, right? Yes. We have to genuinely feel like we are content with whatever is decreed upon us, whether we think something is good or whether we think something is bad. What defines bad and what defines good? What's the hikmah behind all of this? What's the wisdom? Yep. You know? Yep. So, you know, and it helps mold us as individuals. But sometimes you need to sit with a person who can walk you through that. It's hard to accomplish that on your own. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's where people would tend to struggle that I can say that. And then a person sits down and says, let me try to implement what I has said to me and sometimes you have to realize like it's not just it's not just like you watch a video on YouTube about how to fix your car and then you hop underneath the hood right no tutorial yes sometimes you got to sit with the person yeah. who's gonna hold your hand through that process and right? you have to it's just I when I say that it's all about you working towards that whether you are the you know the person in recovery or you're the per, or your family member wanting to seek help whether it's something in the spiritual realm or yeah. in the you know treatment realm it's there yeah. you know and, and if you end up finding somebody who's muslim and in the treatment realm you got a double like you know you got the best of both worlds yes. alhamdulillah faith is something very fragile in this whole concept of addiction and everything yeah. it, it really is and learning how to deal with it and and how to implement it or in, and how to kind of discuss it yeah. and verbalize certain things that could that might trigger people like there are you know individuals who i've experienced like in, in in my professional background who tell me why does god do this to me what is it that you know i did to deserve this like i know i'm a horrible person and like i'm not a good muslim and you know and they feel like it's just getting worse and worse for them but then it's weird because they go back on their words and they say God is all forgiving and he was always there for me before. But that's the struggle. That's, that's the, the struggle. That's, that's exactly it. Right? That's the struggle. And you, and you know, sometimes it's, it's so important for us to realize that addiction, the recovery process, is this back and forth. It's a whole bunch of contradictions. Right. It's the person wanting to get better and then not. The person feeling they have a problem and then not. One brother, he came to me in the masjid once and he said, I need you to talk to my brother. Uh, you know, we talked to him. He's been struggling with addiction and, you know, we, we really want to get him help. And I said, well, does he want help? And, and they said, yes, I think, you know, I talked to him maybe a few days ago for him to get help. And he said, OK. And I said, well, we have to get him now because tomorrow whole, uh, yes you don't know what you're gonna get tomorrow he can wake up and yep i don't have a problem i don't remember agreeing to that right absolutely that happens more than often and also realizing that relapses even if, if a person is in recovery and you see them and they're doing so well and they they've been doing well for a year two years 10 years 20 yeah. years yeah and then they relapse. Yeah. Does that mean that everything else shatters? Yes. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It means that we had a setback and that we're gonna get back to that place. And so, and this reminds me of something that you had mentioned earlier. You said that a brother had mentioned to you actually in a session that uh, he had remembered a law on his way to go use mm -hmm. and it prevented him, yes. right? And, and so can you elaborate on that a little bit and how even when we make a mistake, we have to 
get back on yeah. and then continue to trust that sometimes we're going to make mistakes and sometimes we're going to make the right decision. So uh, going back on that story, it's this gentleman, he was telling me that he was on his way to go pick up a bag and he's in treatment. He was doing well and he, you know, he was stressed out. Something happened. And what's the, his first instinct is I want to go pick up. Yeah. He hits his dealer, all that. Every transaction just needs to be made. I need to just go show up. On his way, he starts thinking, all right, God already pulled me out of three overdoses. You know, I got out of the psych ward. You know, my family's there for me right now. I have all this going on. Am I really going to mess this up? Because I'm because I was angry from a certain situation. Was it worth it? Yeah. He walked right back into his house. He walked right, but he left. He, he, he stopped where he was at. He walked back. Yeah. When he came and he was telling me this, I was like, that's courage. That's courage. Wow. That's you saving yourself. That's you helping yourself, right. you know? And he felt really good about it. And once they get a taste of that feeling good, they want it more. Yes. And it's easier for them to resist. That's the new drug. Yes. And remembering, remembering God throughout the day more and more, whether they are practicing or not practicing, but they know that there is a higher power out there that, yes. that's, that's going to protect them from, from harm and from self-harm, yes. you know? Um, it helps. It does help. And alhamdulillah, that us as Muslims, you know, whether we're able to see it or not, God is everywhere. Yes. We need to keep God in check with ourselves. And that's something on a daily, you know, that we have to think about. That's right. Yeah. The last thing I would like you to touch on, inshallah, is the idea of, from your experience, how important is it uh, for us as not only just the leadership of our Islamic institutions, but as communities um, to create more of a conversation, more of a space for us to talk openly about addiction and getting help. So I would say to start off with definitely talking to not, I wouldn't say specifically you need to talk to board members, you need to talk to this certain, everyone needs to be aware. Everyone. From the eldest to the youngest, they need to be aware. You need to talk to the older generation to have them, and in their own ethnic language, because they need to understand what's really going on, and the nitty gritties sometimes of what, of what they could do to help, and how they can see the signs, and like, what resources are available to them. And then educating the young in high school, or even in middle school now, the way things are going, you know, Telling about prevention and, and prevention planning and, and all that and uh, learning to get away from bad environments and you know how to stop somebody who it might be self-harming in, in, in a way <laughs> as well as um, talking to, in masajid khutbas Friday sermons within in the, you know they have them in between Maghrib and Isha yep. you know your lecture here and there you know you have an event a mental health event or whatever and you decide to bring up substance use as something because it's something that should be talked about and you never know what audience you have you don't know if a person in there is in recovery or if they're not in recovery if they have a family member in recovery or if they, even if they don't know about it yep. this is something to raise awareness we're in the 21st century it's about time that everyone knows what's, what's going on and the way that you know the world is going right now there's no excuse for us to be ignorant to anything yep. and that the resources are there and if you want to be a, a, a part of this 
There's a way for there's a way for everyone. Alhamdulillah. Well, Jazakallah Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless you and, and protect you and continue to guide you in all of your efforts and make you successful and continuing doing the good, not just for the Muslim community, but for all of the people that you're helping. Love. Uh...